The Start On Demand. On demand. There is no silver bullet. That's what Manitoba Liquor and Lottery says in responding on Monday to all of the liquor thefts that have been plaguing southern Manitoba. Winnipeg police also weighing in. They say 10 to 20 robberies are happening a day. The province weighs in on the future of the south perimeter after that deadly crash on Friday that saw 19-year-old Ethan Boyer killed when he was hit from behind by a gravel truck. A Winnipeg woman and her family have been without power for over two weeks. And a naturopathic doctor answers the question, why are we so tired? I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb, who was off sick today. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb, and this is the Tuesday, October 29th podcast for The Start. Tomorrow, a mix of sun and cloud. Still pretty chilly, though, with highs hovering near the freezing point. And for Thursday... Hmm, looks like we could see a bit more snow on and off. And again, highs remaining close to zero. It's minus four at 680 CJOB, and now it's the start. Not really sure that's a good thing when the meteorologist (laughs) has to stop and ponder. Mm. 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 Could be more snow. A little trepidation there, I think. Well, and, and trepidation could be the word, too. If you haven't looked out the window yet, it's coming down pretty good. Here at Polo Park, let us know what you're seeing, if you're seeing something different, but I'm guessing it's going to now be a tricky drive-in this morning. So just take some care and uh, give yourself some extra time, A, to clean off your car if it's parked outside, and B, to navigate the roads. Like, for the most part, the roads were okay for me coming in, but there were a couple of side streets that I took that were very slippery. I almost actually, I sometimes like to take Wellington Crescent, uh, just for the scenic route in the morning. But it's, I'm re- realizing it's a bad idea because, A, deer. I've already, like, a. Uh, On Wellington Crescent? Oh, yeah. Well, because really? they come right off the river. Oh, okay. So they, uh, I, I saw one just trotting across the street last week. I was, was nowhere near them. I could see them way up. But had I been going a little bit faster, maybe I'd have been in a different position. And then this morning, as I was, going around the bend to Wellington Crescent South to make my way back onto Academy to get to the St. James Bridge. I slid, almost slid into the curb, and there is a deer right uh, beyond the curb. So he was kind of looking at me like, what are you doing? Get <laughs> Slow a, get, down, Get buddy. a hold of yourself. I was get only some, doing like 30. But Get some snow tires. Get some winter tires, whatever we're calling them these days. Yeah, I think this is going to be the year I, I finally need to are invest you in that. going to break down? Well, because my parking lot, I have to drive up a ramp to get into my compound and then back down another ramp to get to my parking spot. And during the storm, uh, I went out on the Friday night. I almost couldn't get out. I had to. I got to the top of the ramp, and then my tires started spinning. They're spinning. They're spinning. Is Chris? I think Chris Rock says them. They spinning. Oh, I can't. I can't complete that if memory serves. Now, <laughs> if I it's can- a Chris Rock quote, yeah, it's probably best you don't. <laughs> so I had to back the car up and take a run at it, and then I almost hit a guy in the, in the hit a guy walking through the parking lot. So anyway, uh, be careful when you're driving this morning. There are, you may have noticed there is a lack of a female voice this morning. Well, whether Loren McNabb was present or not, I think there would be a lack of a female voice because I think she's losing her voice. Yeah. And if she's not losing her voice, I think it would be altered dramatically. She was stuffing up badly yesterday. I think it's been a situation where the last couple of weeks have just been so kooky around here yeah. that Loren has been trying to hold on. And yesterday, the dam broke. And 
plain and simply. She's sick. So, Lorraine, if you're listening, go back to sleep. Yeah. Hopefully we'll see you before the end of the week, but just uh, get better. And uh, we'll we'll hold down the fort best we can anyway. Yeah, we got the email at 322 this morning that she's not coming in. So you knew that it was a game time decision. She got up and thought, oh, God, I just... I just can't do it. Yeah, she always wants to, but she just couldn't. But we've got a jam-packed show uh, with or without Loren McNabb for you. Uh, all sorts of things. Some of the conversations that were held over from yesterday, they were relevant throughout the day, and we want to circle back and, and go back to a couple things we discussed yesterday morning. Yeah, yes. Uh, in our next segment, we're going to go over what the Winnipeg Police and Manitoba Liquor and Lotteries had to say about the liquor store thefts, which continues to be a plague in this city. And we also want to talk about the Perimeter Highway, because yesterday we heard from the mother of 19-year-old Ethan Boyer, who was killed on Friday on the south perimeter at Brady Road. So we're going to hear from the province on the future of the perimeter. Yeah, Infrastructure Minister Ron Schuler, kind enough to come in studio yesterday. And I there was a lot to like about what he had to say yesterday. So I've repackaged some of his comments and the conversation between he, uh, Julie Buckingham, and Richard Cluche because it's important stuff. Uh, he sent some comments and some condolences from the province. I want to share that with you, but also what does the future of the perimeter look like? Because Brett, we've said it a million times on this show, uh, three plus years, you and I have been working together. This is one of our passions is to see the South perimeter get upgraded. And it looks as though we might be on the precipice of that. Mackling and McGarry McNabb is away today. It is time now to talk about liquor. If there was a silver bullet, we would have implemented by now. There is no one thing that is going to fix this. That is Andrea Cowell, Director of Corporate and Public Affairs with Manitoba Liquor and Lotteries, who addressed the media yesterday as Winnipeg police continue to deal with an ever-growing string of liquor store robberies around the city. Global's Marnie Blunt has more on the message the cops are sending you. It's a sight becoming all too common on social media and in Winnipeg liquor marts. Bold thefts like this one at the Plessy's location where what appears to be a bystander took matters into his own hands. Call the cops. A move police don't recommend. So is your life really worth a bottle of alcohol? And that's what it comes down to. As this shopper discovered in another video posted on social media, she starts to intervene as a handful of thieves make a run for it. Then one of the thieves swings at her with a bottle. Hey, Jennifer! You don't know what they can do about it, but something's got to be done instead of just having meetings and meetings about it. I don't don't know what can be done, but maybe having a person at the door like at Costco or Walmart where they have a checker. After months of refusing on-camera interviews, Manitoba Liquor and Laundry spoke Monday, admitting there are hundreds of liquor thefts per week and also confirming plainclothes loss prevention officers started patrolling liquor stores last week with the power to detain and arrest thieves. They had five shifts and they affected eight arrests on those shifts. At the same time, in that same week, we had 10 arrests by WPS. So in that one week, we've got 18 arrests, yet thefts are still as high as they've ever been. 
Winnipeg police say they are making arrests in connection to these liquor mart thefts every day. They also say the chief will be meeting with justice officials later this week to discuss the issue. Marnie Blunt, Global News. So with this increase of liquor robberies has come an increase in Winnipegers stepping in to try to stop them. We spoke to Luke Bodek last week who helped to grab a guy who tried to rob the Liquor Mart Express at Superstore on Gateway. We're seeing more videos of people intervening on social media, and Marnie referenced one of them in that Plessy's robbery. Constable Jay Murray once again stood by the police recommendation not to intervene, first for your own safety, but he gave some more detail on another reason it can get dicey. You need to be able to make a lawful citizen's arrest if you're going to go down that path. I think there's a big misconception of what is a lawful citizen's arrest. You just can't grab somebody for the sake of grabbing somebody if you see them committing a crime. To make a citizen's arrest, you need to, um, if you're arresting a person for an indictable offense, and those are our most serious types of offenses and include violence offenses, you can only make the arrest at the time that you witness the person committing the offense. It's against the law to arrest any person after a lapse in time, after um, if they've committed an indictable offense, it has to be at the time of the offense. For many property crimes, you have to be the owner of the property or have lawful possession of that. Um, for, for liquor mart robberies where there's no violence involved, often you don't meet that threshold. And if you're going to grab onto somebody in those cases, there could be civil or criminal um, liability involved there. So you need to be very careful about what you're getting yourself involved in. Interesting comments from, from Murray. Basically, it has to be during the act. And you uh, have to own the sense, property. Which makes sense. And when in Luke's case, when we spoke to him, it wasn't about the alcohol. He, he felt or sensed a, an imminent threat to a family, a parent, parents, mother and a father, and a young child who he felt might get caught up in the situation. That was the motivation for him, not to save a bottle of rye from walking out the door. Oh, no, we want to play some more comments from Andrew, Andrea Cowell with Liquor and Lotteries, who says that the media is largely to blame. Part of the problem we're finding is all these videos on social media and all the media attention are actually encouraging and helping the thieves sometimes as well. What do you think of that, Greg? I understand where she's coming from on this. I had a long discussion about this with somebody yesterday. I don't think the people who are perpetrating these sorts of crimes are listening to CJOB and thinking, oh, they're talking about me on CJOB. I don't think that would be necessarily a a notch in their belt or something that they would put on the scoreboard as something to be proud of. Social media, they like. Mm. They like the likes. They like the notoriety. They like being internet famous, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I understand where MLCC is coming from on this. And let me tell you, we have batted around the whole idea of whether or not to talk about this anymore. But the threshold for us in this, what I would consider this next round of this discussion, is the fact that more and more people are witnessing this. It's less frequent to know somebody that hasn't witnessed something like this, whether it's been at a liquor store or at another retailer. So that's, I think, why we're discussing at this point in time. And you know what? People are frustrated. They don't want to see it anymore. Cal also went on to point out that 
It's not just liquor stores. It's happening in all areas of retail, but they're the only ones talking about it or talking to the media uh, because they're a crown corporation. But I just want to point out as well, Munther Zied from Food Fair, the Zied family has been very forthcoming with steps they have taken to combat theft. And we heard one of our listeners who works in a music store talk to us about how they had to deal with chasing people into the parking lot to get their Gibson guitars back. Right now, we want to talk about one of the big conversations we've been having since Friday, and that has to do with the Perimeter Highway. Yeah, and the mother of a 19-year-old who was killed in a crash on Brady Road says she wants her son to be more than just a statistic. Susan Boyer texted us here at the start about 24 hours ago that her son Ethan was the one killed in a what she called a preventable accident Friday morning. It was a powerful reminder that there are lives attached to these events, and we want to send a sincere thank you, send out sincere condolences to Susan and her whole family for sharing Ethan's story with us and for reaching out. Now, here is her message in case you missed it yesterday morning. I would like you to have a name associated with that horrific preventable death. My son was a great kid with a whole life ahead of him. He just stopped in traffic, waiting for traffic to proceed. How does a gravel truck not see that traffic has stopped? How does he not see the large semi in front of Ethan stopped? Ethan had no chance of survival. I can only hope my Ethan didn't see it coming. Now, Susan says she's thankful for all of the emergency responders who tried to save her son, as well as the witnesses who gave statements to police, but she is hoping the tragic incident will result in some changes. Quote, I'm living my worst nightmare, wishing I would just wake up. I can guarantee that I will be an advocate for changes to that highway and the trucking industry in general. And on that vein and in that thought, Provincial Minister of Infrastructure Ron Schuler joined Richard and Julie in studio yesterday afternoon on the news. He had this message for the Boyer family. On behalf of the government of Manitoba, our government condolences to the family of Ethan. Um, obviously a very courageous mother to say, please refer to my son as Ethan. And that takes a lot of courage and and that's um, what we'll, we'll respect. So again, to all the family and friends, our condolences. Um, safety is a big concern. Probably everybody at this table has young adults uh, on the road right now. Certainly I do. I have three children who drive. And this is a concern, and it's particularly painful when it's a young person. Conversations around the safety of the south perimeter are not new. The lack of investment on that stretch of critical infrastructure has been a source of frustration for many Manitobans for decades. Last year, the provincial government stepped up with some intermediate studies and action. The ultimate goal is to see the perimeter brought to interstate standards. Here is Minister Schuler. Back in 2018, the department did identify for our government that there was a problem with the perimeter highway. And we did announce a safety review and then and then the planned upgrades. We affected 24 different intersections. Brady Road is one of those. It is scheduled to be completed in 2020. It's a little bit more challenging because it is an active location because a lot of the city's garbage goes into the Brady garbage dump. So we are going to build a side road that will go to Waverly. It will take the traffic accessing the perimeter onto um, onto a basically a side road, and then it'll go through a controlled intersection. 
Uh, difficulty with that one is we had to identify certain services that have to be relocated. And we are going to build what's called an RTAC road. That means that can handle truck traffic, and that has to be engineered to a national standard, and that will start in spring. So it was part of the plan. We announced that that was going to happen in 2020. Um, we're working at this as quickly as we can. If you drove the south perimeter, you would have noticed a lot of changes. They're important changes, and I would suggest to you that we will be looking at another round of changes coming as well. The long-term vision is very ambitious. The timeline might not be what many of us would like, but major improvements look to be on the horizon as the provincial government focuses on economic development in its second term in office. Part of that commitment is the perimeter highway. That's absolutely correct. And what really precipitated this was the final accident at Oak Bluff where uh, somebody drove underneath a, a, a tractor trailer and lost his life there. And that's why we started this whole project. And it's inconceivable that you can turn off of a mud road onto a perimeter highway, which is 100 kilometers an hour. Um, we are looking at Winnipeg 1 million, and the province is committed to upgrading the uh, perimeter highway, which is an important economic order. We also have what's called the functional study that's going to be, uh, in fact, we have open houses that'll be coming up in the next couple of weeks, and that'll be the vision piece of what the south perimeter will look like. And we've got to start looking at the perimeter as almost, if, if not an inner ring, it's certainly not an outer ring. It is going to be very important to move goods and services in this province. And, and that's why safety has to be a concern. I want to, again, assure Manitobans there are more changes that are going to be coming. Not all of them have been well received. Uh, you know, people are used to being access, to get access on and off very quickly, but they were very dangerous access points. And interesting. The, the more work we do on the perimeter and the safer we make it, in fact, sometimes the more dangerous it becomes because people believe that they are driving on a, on a freeway and if there's a road coming in off the side and it's just a mud road, that can then be dangerous. So we're going to start looking at all of those entrances onto the perimeter highway. Now, the minister said something there that I think is worth paying attention to, that the perimeter isn't really going to be the outer ring of the metropolitan region for much longer, if it is any longer. And that's ironic, coincidental. I was in Regina, of course, this weekend, and they already have a ring road in Regina. But on Monday, just yesterday, they opened the Southern Bypass, which is an outer ring or the first part of an outer ring road uh, for Regina, city of almost 300,000 people, where they're realizing that their perimeter highway is outdated, isn't really the ring road around the outside of the city anymore. And, and five years ago, they got cracking on that project and it opened yesterday. And so something to, to keep in mind. We're going to have much to discuss on this this morning here on 680 CJOB. The conversation will continue, and you can continue to weigh in at 204-780-6868, or if you want to email us, you can email mackling at cjob.com or brett at cjob.com. McNabb, once again, is away. And just a heads up as well, in case you missed the traffic update with Justine, there is a crash at Osborne and Pemina. We got this text at 628, so we're not sure what the situation is at the moment, but crash at Osborne and Pemina Highway northbound right by the Burger King. Two trucks involved in the curb lane. Listener describing this as an accident. But Don makes an interesting point here. Mm -hmm. He says, an accident is when a meteor hits your car. Everything else is human error. 
in disguise. So it's done. You know, that there, there's a lot of merit to what you're saying. And I think Barkley, Brian Barkley used to say the same thing. He refused to use the word accident. He would always say crash or collision. Because That's right. Nine, because it likely wasn't an accident. Many of them are preventable. Yeah, and it's just something that's creeped into our vernacular, right? It's just the way we refer to them as a car accident. Crash or collision, much more accurate. And you hear that uh, on the radio in traffic reports in the United States. You, you very seldom hear them called accidents. They're, they're most definitely crashes. And if you don't think Susan sharing her message is having an Im- impact... Let me read you this before we break, Brett. This breaks my heart. My son is named Ethan, and he just turned 20. He drives the perimeter every single day to and from work as he works way out the west perimeter. So it breaks my heart as we live in the south end, and he goes down St. Mary's Road onto the perimeter. And hearing this lady's story, I am so sad, angry for her, as that could have well been my son. Leanne, uh says, my 19-year-old brother Kyle died in a car crash in 2005 at the McDonald's on Keniston when a semi ran a red light and hit his vehicle. I understand exactly how that mother is feeling and sent out my thoughts and prayers to her. Leanne, thank you for sharing your story. Our condolences on your brother Kyle. And thank you to everybody who has weighed in and sent condolences to Susan Boyer and her family. Mackling and McGarry, McNabb is away, Jeff Braun's here, Kelly Moore is here, Jeff Fortier. Coming up at 9.35 this morning on The Start, we're going to speak to our friends at Vita Health because they are hosting an event tonight at the Kaboto Centre on Wilkes called Why Am I So Tired? Fatigue and Other Current Trends in Women's Health. Uh, so obviously this is catered towards women, but doesn't mean we can't have a general conversation about why we are tired and how do we deal with it. Now I realize that five of us are a little bit different than most, I think, given the time of day that we get up, but... That also makes us, I think, more prone to fatigue. Kelly, you're here like 12 to 14 hours a day. Only 12. Let's not exaggerate. (laughs) You must hit the wall at some point during your shift. Knock on wood. So far, not yet. But I I have to say that um, uh, there are times when I'm a little bit tired when when I'm driving home. And and so, you know, I'll, I'll pull over. And, uh, and 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 just have a, a little bit of a rest or whatever. If I feel that uh, you know there's a, any uh, problem that way, but no, most of the, it just I've been doing this for so long that uh, you just you get used to it. But I also go to bed very early. Like I'm usually uh, heading off to, to bed about seven seven thirty at night. So well, what do you do on nights where there is like a hockey game or a football game? Then I pay the price. Yeah, yeah, so and that's that's almost that's almost every night. Yeah, you, you kind of get used to getting by on five or six hours of sleep. It's just it's part of the job. And Jeff Braun, uh, you have been doing this shift how long now? Like Don't fifteen know. years? Couldn't tell you. Yeah, I think it's been more than fifteen. <laughs> I can tell you. But you have a you have a very particular routine. Like do you, you yeah. basically do the same thing every day, right? Well, I have a nap every afternoon, and generally it's it's weirdly in about. I don't want to give away secrets here, but I look over at the clock when I lay down my head, and it's almost always 107. Really? Yeah. <laughs> That's very specific. <laughs> now, that clock is wrong, but it's what it says on the clock anyways. Is, is that because it's sort of like the end of the newscast, where you feel like you can now relax because the, I don't know. the it, newscast time is over? It might be. It's probably something like that. It's like, very oh, cool. I just finished reading the weather. Now I can nod off. <laughs> <laughs> what I want to know, have you ever fallen asleep while there's a clip playing nope. or in the middle during any sort of I've broadcast lo- I've like that? I've lost my focus. I've never 
I've never actually fallen asleep. I've seen other people do it, but it's never happened to me. I have. Yeah, Brett. Oh, yeah. I've seen Brett do it. Yeah. Oh, you have seen it like on a Saturday or Sunday morning? <laughs> oh, no. I, I've seen you. It was uh, when you were doing the drive. And I remember there was one during one commercial break. Yeah. Your eyes went just back and then it kind of popped up and you went, <laughs> oh, I just fell asleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It used to happen to me all the time on uh, Saturday and Sunday mornings for that uh, 3 a.m. to noon shift because I would work till Friday at 7 p.m., and then I'd come in and do the news at 3 a.m., and Jeff, you remember when the couch potatoes first started, it was Saturday afternoons at, what, 3 o'clock? Something like that. So, so you'd be here till, like, 4 right? yeah. or 5. And then I'd go home, I'd have, like, a drink, and then I'd go to bed at 5.30, but uh, <laughs> usually around 8 o'clock, and it's I still, I usually hit the wall around 8, but, like, I'd be doing the 8 o'clock news, and I'd play a clip, and I would, I could just <laughs> feel my eyes shutting, and then there'd be this silence and it would take, I don't know how long it would go, a second, two seconds, but eventually there was the cue like, oh, silence, bad, Brett not talking, also bad. <laughs> but that was fun. When you're younger, you can get away with stuff like that. Because yeah. when I first started here, I was also in college at Red River taking electronic engineering. And I, for a while, my shift was pushing buttons and reading news overnight from midnight until, and then producing the morning show like Forte. So my shift was midnight to 8.30, Ugh. and then I'd have a class at 11 and a class at 3. Oh my god! And every day oh. I'd say, "Well, I'm only going to one of those two classes because I got to sleep sooner or later." Right. So every day, I'd, every other day, I'd skip the class, kind of thing. Are there any foods that you eat where you have a where you notice, like, "Oh my god, I am now very tired," like sleepy, even like a? I've never no. That makes you food that makes you tired. Yeah, yeah. Never like, come across well, it. I do. Other than yeah, turkey, <laughs> turkey. Yeah. Well, actually, actually, turkey does do that for me too. Greasy food, pizza, or, or something like that after six gives me nightmares. I know that. <laughs> I just feel really? bloated after that. Really? I, I, I guess that you know doesn't help me sleep, but... Yeah, I notice uh, it's usually Oreo cookies for some reason. I think it's partly also the way I consume them that is the problem. <laughs> well, you're not supposed to eat them by the half dozen, <laughs> Yeah, all at once, essentially. Uh -huh. Like, I'll get the little six-pack of Oreo cookies in the vending machine, and they're gone in 30 seconds. <laughs> so I get this sugar rush and then this huge crash to the point where I actually like want to lie down and go to sleep. So I try to avoid that kind of stuff at work if I can. Yeah, you know what? I find that if I am really feeling fatigued here at work, I'll go for a little walk around the building, or when it's nice, go outside for a little bit of a five to ten minute power walk or whatever, and that re-energizes me. Yeah, I do yeah. the same thing. Well, in this room, guys, I'm kind of just stuck in here, so I just I'll just walk back and forth, back and forth, and then I'll sit down. If you ever need some relief for it, I can come in and sit in for you. I still kind of know what I'm doing in there. But, oh, no, uh, I'm a trooper. Come on. Yeah, I, <laughs> I could come in there and make a total disaster out of it. <laughs> no, no, just put me in there. I just, just randomly push buttons. You know, I'm on three attempts to watch, to watch Sunday's edition of Last Week Tonight with John Oliver. It always takes me three or four times That's the one. to watch that show because for whatever reason, I look forward to it every week. My mind seems to be relaxed, and I'll be sitting or lying down watching... Damn it! It's over Soothing British accent, does Yeah, I guess that's what it is. Let me read this for you. This comes from a loyal listener. Her name is Amanda. It goes something like this. My family and I were one of the thousands that lost power during the snowstorm over the Thanksgiving weekend. Unlike most of the province, we have not had our power restored yet. There are a lot of details to the story regarding the red tape and 
so-and-so we have been <laughs> dealing with in efforts to try to get heat back to our house. So I will try to keep this as concise as possible. Sorry for editing that. I wanted to use Amanda's word, but uh, not good for my job. Rather, f- than, rather than reading more, why don't we bring her on to let her tell yeah, the story? Absolutely. Amanda Cullen joins us now live on 680 CJOB. Ms. Cullen, good morning to you. Good morning. Okay, so Greg was about to set up something that happened Friday during the storm pertaining to a large branch. What happened? Yeah, there was a large branch fell on our power line that goes to our house on Friday morning after the storm. So that damaged the hydro mast on our house. And so on on Saturday, we got our power back with the rest of our neighborhood. But then on Sunday, hydro came back to shut it off until this damage was repaired because it wasn't safe. I know a few people who were in that exact same situation and in fact Hydro in the middle of re-hooking them up realized that a couple of neighbors were in the exact same situation you were even though they had power the mast had become detached from their house they weren't experiencing a power outage and I'm guessing that that was sort of the same situation you were in for at least a little while. Yeah that's exactly what happened. So you're in Glen Elm. Where is Glen Elm, by the way, for those unfamiliar? Uh, Glen Elm is just off Henderson, right past the Disraeli Bridge, so kind of Elmwood, uh, East Kildonan area. Okay, so you're still without power. What's the holdup yeah. here? Um, so when on the Thanksgiving Monday, Hydro came back to reconnect our power, and they said we did not need a permit to get this fixed. Um, and they would come back the next day and uh, hook it up for us again. So my husband is a Red Seal electrician. He fixed it, and then Hydro never came back. So by Wednesday, we still didn't have any power. We called them, and they said, no, you do need a permit. So then we contacted the city permit office. They told us to go online. But because of the influx in requests online, they actually closed their online process to homeowners and only electrical contractors were able to access it. Oh, boy. Yeah. So we were feeling really stuck. We couldn't do anything at that point. Um, My husband was trying to get down to the permit office, but he was working out of town for the next couple of days. So he went down on... The following Monday, permit office is closed to the public on Mondays. So he went down Tuesday. He spent four hours in the permit office, and they told him, we are renting our house. So since we are not the homeowners, we could not pull the permit ourselves. This is the city so we, permit office? Yes, the city permit office. Okay. So he, they, we were told that he spoke to many different people and they all said he had to find an electrical contractor to pull the permit. Even though the repair had been done and even though we were initially told that we did not need a permit to do the repair. So are you any closer to getting a permit? We do have a permit as of yesterday. So now my husband's going to be making sure that he contacts an inspector and gets that done as soon as possible. But I just am so appalled by the apathy that we were shown from the uh, perm- the city permit office. They were more concerned about following all the rules than getting us back into our house. We've 
we've been without power for over two weeks. You know, we've had to pack up and my uh, my husband's parents have been so generous. They've been letting us stay with them. And uh, we just, we want to go home. We're, we miss our house. We can see here little ones in the background. So it's not just you and your husband. You, you, have, a, you have a small family, correct? Yeah, my daughter's about a year and a half. And we have a very large dog also that oh, has to boy. come with us. So our, our two cats are still at the house though. And we've had to go check on them and feed them. And I think my husband was at the house yesterday and the thermostat read five degrees. So. so you have a permit, you need a, a city inspector to come have a look at it, and then what? And then if they say it's the repair is good to go, then we can contact Hydro and they should come and rehook up our power and we'll be able to go home. Any qualms with, uh, with the landlord? Any, and, and have you had any feedback from, they, from, from uh, the folks at permits on this? Uh, no, it, the landlords have, they're friends of ours. They're actually living in Vancouver, so they haven't been able to do anything for us. They haven't been able to go online for a permit. They haven't been able to go down to the office because they're out of province. Um, but the city permit office, it's really hard to get a hold of them. They're only open until 4 p.m. and they're only open from Tuesday to Friday. So it's been really difficult to have any information from them really what's the earliest you'll have power back hopefully tomorrow if there's an inspector out today and hydro can get out today okay well amanda thank you for reaching out to 680 cjob and to global news to share your story and so sorry to hear your family's having to deal with this uh you know it might sound just like a minor inconvenience but having to pack up your family and go stay with it sounds like you've had to stay with a variety of family members for the last couple of weeks it's certainly not the vacation one looks for when they want to get out of the house no thank you for talking with me this morning Amanda Cullen joining us live on CJOB has been without power for over two weeks on Glen Elm right here in Winnipeg. Mackling and McGarry McNabb is away today as we were discussing earlier this morning and yesterday. Well, let's be honest. We talk about the Perimeter Highway and its inadequate state quite often here on CJOB. Yeah, the South Perimeter has been neglected for decades and is in need of serious upgrades. The provincial government acknowledged this and started with some badly needed basic upgrades last summer by closing two dozen access points and turnoffs, which would never be included in a project designed in this century. An efficient, modern, safe Perimeter Highway is a part of the Manitoba government's economic development plan for our province. Here's Minister of Infrastructure, Ron Schuler. Um, we are looking at Winnipeg 1 million, and the province is committed to upgrading the uh, Perimeter Highway, which is an important economic order. We also have what's called the functional study. That's going to be, uh, in fact, we have open houses that will be coming up in the next couple of weeks, and that will be the vision piece of what the South Perimeter will look like. And we've got to start looking at the Perimeter as almost... If, if not an inner ring, it's certainly not an outer ring. It is going to be very important to move goods and services in this province. And and that's why safety has to be concerned. I want to, again, assure Manitobans there are more changes that are going to be coming. Not all of them have been well received. 
uh, you know, people are used to being access to get access on and off very quickly, but they were very dangerous access points. And interesting, the the more work we do on the perimeter and the safer we make it. In fact, sometimes the more dangerous it becomes because people believe that they are driving on a, on a freeway, and if there's a road coming in off the side and it's just a mud road, that can then be dangerous. So we're going to start looking at all of those entrances onto the perimeter highway. Schuler joined Richard and Julie on the news yesterday to discuss the process in bringing the perimeter to proper standards. Of course, the death of Ethan Boyer last Friday is putting a microscope on this. Julie Buckingham wanted to know who would be included in the consultation process. Will you accept input from the Trucking Association, from victims' families? Because sometimes good ideas come from outside government and outside people that normally are tapped to look at these things. And and that's why we have a lot of open houses and they're advertised, they're publicized. Uh, we do not uh, build or construct or basically do anything without consulting with the public and with our stakeholders group. So the safety review did go out for public uh, consultation and we did consult with stakeholders. It's very important and it's it's become a, a new way of, of doing business. We do it all the time and, and you do get a better product when you speak to the public. Now, Richard Cloutier has been paying plenty of attention to the future of the perimeter and highlights the fact that economic development is the focus of this government in its second term. So we're going to play some more of this audio throughout the morning here on 680 CJOB. But it it does seem weird when you go down the perimeter and you just stop at a light and stop at a light. And it's not just the perimeter. It's other roads like Bishop Grandin. You know, Bishop Grandin, I used to love driving on Bishop when I was a teenager and my early 20s, I knew there were certain times to avoid, like sure. Saturday afternoon, don't go anywhere near St. Vital Shopping Centre if you can avoid it. But now it just seems it doesn't seem to matter what time of day, I mean, unless it's like when we're coming to work at four in the morning, it doesn't seem to matter what time of day. Bishop's a nightmare, and that south perimeter is always a huge pain getting stopped at lights. And lately they've been doing a lot of construction on the south perimeter, so they've got it down to one lane in many cases. So yeah, it's just tedious. So you, you don't see this kind of stuff anywhere else when you go to on a major highway. I don't complain about the closures down to one lane when they're making improvements. I, I try not to because let's face it, uh, that stretch of highway, all our roads need improving and, and you can't have one without the other. You need to have the closures in order to fix them. But here's the thing. I take the perimeter uh, once in a while and the one time that I always take it is on my way home or from home to the Blue Bomber games. So I take it from North Kildonan all the way around uh, to the Perimeter Highway and and approach University of Manitoba from the south. Super efficient except for one stretch as you make your way towards St. Mary's Road. And I'll be listening to Casey Gibb. He'll be doing the traffic and inevitably it's backed up on the perimeter at St. Mary's and I'll hear him say, seems to be a short light cycle. Is it like that every single day? Because there doesn't seem to be any problem when you're heading towards, it's the one kilometer sign typically where I get stopped, one kilometer to the light, and that's where things bog down. No problems to St. Anne's, no problems to Dougald, and once you get going after that light at St. Mary's, doesn't seem to be a problem. 204-780-6868. Do we need to bug the province about that? Is that light always short at St. Mary's in the perimeter?
We have a bunch of things we want to recap here. Greg, where do you want to start? Well, let's start with an email I just got from Roger, and we've had lots of feedback about the south perimeter, the issues with the traffic signal at St. Mary's Road. It's unanimous. It's always slow. Mm-hmm. It's always bad. It's never in time. So I'm, I'm not sure why we sit back and just allow that to happen and why we haven't demanded that be fixed, but I might have to send an email. Well, let me requalify that. I will be sending an email today on our behalf to say, has this been looked at and what is the deal with that traffic signal? And I just, as I mentioned, got an email from Roger and I want to read it. South Perimeter, very efficient here. I live in South St. Vital, close to the perimeter and have to say, for all the proposed government improvements to make it safer, Nothing will work at the light-controlled intersections. Just trying to access the highway at St. Mary's Road is a dangerous proposition as traffic is always running the red light. The perimeter was never designed to carry such traffic, especially at over 100 kilometers per hour. If the province is adamant at not building safer intersections, the south perimeter speed limit should be lowered to 80 kilometers per hour until such time that improvements are implemented. That's from Roger. Thank you, Roger. Sent me a, an email at gmac, G-M-A-C-K at cjob.com. Okay, and where do you want to go next? Well, why don't we try and tie a couple of things that have been happening on our program together here, and it has to do with the text message we got yesterday morning. I don't think I can read this, Brett. I think uh, maybe I'll have to get you to read it. And this is from Susan? This is from Susan Boyer. Okay, so yesterday we learned from Susan, who texted us at 204-780-6868, about the 19-year-old boy, 19-year-old man who was killed on Friday on the south perimeter at Brady Road when he was hit from behind by a gravel truck and pushed into another truck. And we had been referring to him as a 19-year-old man. Susan emailed us to say he is not just a 19-year-old. His name is Ethan, my Ethan. So we read her text yesterday morning, and the condolences and prayers have been pouring in, and we thank everybody for doing so. And Susan wrote, Greg, or texted us again this morning, and says, Myself, my husband Dana, and my older son Reed want to thank all the people of Manitoba who have sent their prayers and warm wishes through CJOB and other venues. We feel your love for us, and all our family truly appreciate it. I will advocate for the changes, but as you can imagine right now, I am not in the best of shape to handle this emotionally. That is why I text LOL. And I have other things on my plate that in my wildest dream, never imagined I would be discussing with my family or organizing. If you could, while talking today about the perimeter, please tell your listeners to write, call, text, email the province, your MLA, about the concerns and issues with a perimeter. Do your part. You want to help us? Write or call your MLA. Do whatever will work to save lives. Do this so another family, friends, family pets, Ethan would want me to mention the pets, LOL, don't die on that road. Susan. I will be sending an, an email um, on behalf of Ethan and his family. I will also be sending an email with regard to that intersection at St. Mary's Road because uh, it's just sort of unbelievable that people are texting in and saying it's been like that forever. 
Uh, there has to be something that's done at that already inadequate intersection to make it at least a little bit more palatable to deal with. And uh, circling back to Roger's email, the idea of lowering that speed limit until uh, to 80 until the improvements are made is something that maybe needs to be considered. I know we don't like to go slower, but uh, let me tell you, uh, along that stretch of highway, I have thought to myself, how is this possibly 100 kilometer per hour zone from all the way from, I would say, Highway 59 to Oak Bluff, at least, at the very least, to 330, where you turn off to LaSalle, you'd have to consider lowering the speed limit in that stretch. Well, I mean, it does get dropped to 80 for a chunk of it anyway. I'm pretty sure. Where does it start? Does it start to Waverly and then go all the way through Kiniston? I think it drops to 80, if you're at least if you're heading westbound. Okay. I think. I know it, it definitely does as you approach Keniston. Yeah, and it certainly does as you approach the traffic signals at St. Anne's and at St. Mary's. That, that That's a given on a highway. But I feel like, I think it might actually just be all the way from Waverly to, to Keniston. And I can't remember because, like I said, I only had to make that trek mm-hmm. a few times from St. Mary's to uh, to 3.30 to get to Kingswood. But... Uh, there, there already are stretches where you're dropping to 80 and then you're going back up and, right. and maybe it's worth it. Plus two, when you're heading eastbound, when you're going towards St. Mary's, you're not doing 80 anyway. You're doing 50, you're mm-hmm. doing 60. Mm-hmm. It's just about impossible to do that 100 kilometer per hour, quote unquote, safe speed limit. And then the other conversation we've been having extensively is one with regards to the liquor thefts in Manitoba, uh, the folks at MLB, BMBLL, MLCC, <laughs> whatever they want to go by these days, have said that the media is partially to blame for this. Mm-hmm. And we, of course, been asking question of the day, whether or not that our listeners feel that way. 54% say yes, 46% say no. Our text messages would be about 19 to 20, that it's not our fault. But one of our listeners does say, tired of talking about all the thefts in Manitoba, let's move on to a new topic. Somebody else saying, can you tell the Liquor Commission they should go to self-serve kiosks like McDonald's? That would mitigate all the theft since they have to pay before acquiring. Here's another comment on the liquor store grab and run. Media is responsible to report on the event, but should not offer the videos. As with major sporting events, when fans come onto the field, they don't show the event as it encourages the activity. That's what Ron says. I, In what context? Do they mean like when fans swarm the field? Because that always gets shown. Oh, you mean in celebration? Yeah. No, I think when fans illegally enter the field of play and are running around, I think the reason you've never seen it on TV is because they don't show it. There are some people, there are streakers, there are people that go out in the middle of play sometimes to disrupt the play, to get their their five minutes of fame. Yeah. And uh, quite often they're laid out, in particular on baseball, or pardon me, on football fields, they get laid out by linebackers and other players on the field, but they will not show that on TV. Really? Yeah. Well, I've seen highlights of that stuff before. In the uh, uh, Like afterward? Maybe, maybe afterward because... The play by the player was so so deadly, <laughs> so aggressive, so aggressive. Uh, you you see it in the aftermath, but never, absolutely never during the the law, live broadcast. So I think that's a, a good note. On another note, the media should absolutely be covering the liquor store thefts. The liquor and lotteries person is trying to defend a failed policy, respond to these crime, uh, to these crimes rather. Keep talking about it. 
Conversation we had earlier. Why am I so tired? Fatigue and other current trends in women's health. Now, we had a chat, the group of us, it was just five guys talking about why we're so tired. But uh, in particular, when it comes to women's health, is there a difference in the things that contribute to fatigue for men and women? I don't think so. I think uh, there's common factors such as not eating well, dehydration, nutrient deficiencies, and different medical conditions that will impact both men and women. And it tends to be a frequent complaint that many people approach their doctors about. But it's also part of a number of conditions that we need to look at. So it's not an isolated complaint that will happen with people. Yeah, we we know that uh, with heart health in particular, right, women's heart health has been a focus uh, on a bunch of different levels in terms of research and also uh, care because women present differently. They uh, have different reasons for having heart issues. So is there something similar here with women as to maybe why they're tired is different than men or how uh, exhaustion or being very, very tired uh, may present itself? Um, Similar ways. I think women tend to be more in tuned with their bodies and more aware of impact of certain factors in terms of their energy levels. Although in heart health, one of the huge factors for women being being overly uh, represented in, in the victim side in terms of death is the fact that women tend to ignore these things because they're the caregivers in the family. This is a genuine thing, right? So I have to imagine that that the reason that your mom or your wife might be falling or partner might be falling asleep at the island uh, doing certain things might be because she doesn't want to admit that she's tired to you because there's a there's a role there. Yeah. And oftentimes don't take the time to take care of herself. Yeah. Totally common. Okay, so how do we help? How do we help? So obviously nutrition, I always say, is the foundation of health. So what you eat is definitely going to impact your energy levels. So if you eat more packaged, refined foods, that will cause more fluctuation in blood sugar levels, cause you to feel more tired throughout the day. If you eat fast as well, you're not sort of digesting. You mean quickly? Or, quickly, like, yes. Like the, how- how quickly like, you consume your food? Yes, will also impact your digestion, absorption of your nutrients. Mm. So that's even key. So slow down, chew your food well, and choose your foods wisely. So make sure you're choosing good healthy fats. Healthy fats are a great energy source for the body. Choosing protein, protein, both either animal proteins or plant proteins, great options available. And proteins are great in terms of Regulating our blood sugar levels, controlling our appetites, uh, supporting our hormones, all key factors in terms of supporting energy levels. You mentioned uh, healthy fats. Can you give us an example? Yeah, omega-3 fatty acids, medium-chain triglycerides, which come from coconut oil, uh, avocados. What was that that first one you said? (laughs) Omega-3 fatty acids. In what would I find that? Yep. So animal sources like fish sources are quite common, sardines, anchovies, mackerel, salmon, Uh, plant sources like chia seeds, Hemp seeds, those kind of thing. Flax, yeah, fantastic. So you got to grind the flax. Perfect. Yes, exactly. Yeah, don't take in the whole seeds. If you (laughs) you don't grind the flax, it doesn't unleash the kraken. You won't. uh, (laughs) Yes, and you can't digest the uh, the seeds, right? So yes, flax, great point, and great source of fiber, which we also want to incorporate. Well, and I'm glad you brought up the the diet topic, and I'm glad you also mentioned that men don't tend to be as in tune. Because I notice, especially in the last couple of years since I've hit 40, uh, if I eat the way I 
like to eat, which is horribly, like if I go to the vending machine and I get a six pack of Oreo cookies, I will eat all six cookies in about 30 seconds. And I will get an immediate sugar rush, followed by, I don't know, within the next 30 minutes, a monster sugar crash to the point where I want to take a nap sometimes. Yep. And that's Uh, quite common. Yeah. So so you're saying I shouldn't do that then? Ideally not, right? And we do have those times where we want something sweet, right? And um, definitely, you know, honor that, (laughs) but not so often during the day. And that's why the protein comes into play and fiber as well, because it will help support your sugar levels. So you don't have those cravings for those types of foods. Do you believe in that the grazing approach to eating like more meals a day, but smaller amounts of food? Where do you fit? So actually depends on the individual. Um, So some people do well with the three meals, couple of snacks during the day. Other people do well with a concept known as intermittent fasting, where they consume their foods in a seven to eight hour period of time during the day. Maybe it's from 11 in the morning to seven in the evening. There's no restriction in terms of calories. You are making, you know, good food choices in that period, um, but you're just sticking to that eight-hour window, and then you're in a more fasting stage, 14 to 16 hours, where you're minimizing your intake of foods. Yeah, that's that's fascinating. That's kind of something that I've stumbled upon. It was never intentional. I just... uh, Start, started eating less and it just got to a point where I would only eat when I was hungry. So I'd go out for lunch and would have a big lunch. And then four hours later, they'd say, someone would say, okay, it's supper time. And I'd say, well, I'm, I'm not hungry. Like I'm, I'm good. I don't want to eat anything more because I'll just be, I'll feel bad. So that's okay to do that? So, yeah, I mean, it's not really about calorie restriction, more about when you consume in the day. And people find that their energy levels are much better when they do that. Uh, They're not always eating. They're not eating late at night, which often impacts sleep. And, of course, when you impact sleep, you'll impact your energy levels as well. Um, So, yeah, definitely a great approach. Why do we underestimate or under value sleep so much in our society. It's like if you take a nap, you're seen as a, I don't know, lazy and and someone who, you know, doesn't really fit into society. Uh, and, And this whole idea that it's almost a badge of honor how little sleep you can get buy on. I, 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 yeah. I've never really understood that. I'm not who, sure who created that, <laughs> but as adults, we do need seven to nine hours of sleep each evening. Oh I think we're just, we're busy people and we do, you know, working all day as many of us do and then trying to accomplish so much stuff in the, in the evening. So the five hours or four and a half that Brett and I are getting on a regular basis, probably not cutting it, not right? ideal. So a few more hours would be, would be great. What does it reduce our ability to do? Because I think about like if I'm tired, I don't feel like working out. I don't feel like walking the dog. Yep. My I'm short tempered, all these different things. Like it affects every aspect of my life when I'm tired. Yep. It'll affect your hormones as well. It'll affect your brain health. It'll increase your risk of cardiovascular disease. So, so many areas. Sleep is a time where your body restores itself, right? And when we don't get that restoration period, then that obviously will affect so many areas. And another simple way to, to fight your fatigue as well is to just drink some water. So simple, right? 
But uh, even if we're 2% dehydrated, that affects our overall focus and attention and memory during the day. 2%? Just 2% they found. So, uh, you know, maintaining uh, your water is ideal. So, you know, coffee isn't a substitute for water. um, And that will really help in terms of staying hydrated, ensuring we're supporting our blood, blood flow in the body. And in doing that, we support oxygen delivery to the body as well and our energy levels. So how do you know then when you're just tired as opposed to a medical condition? Like you say, a lot of people will go in to see a doctor because they're tired. Um, But at what point do you actually, should you actually go to see a doctor? I think when some people are aware of how tired they are and they take the steps to improve their nutrition and exercise more and stay hydrated and they do all those things but still find they're not where they need to be, then definitely the next step is visiting your healthcare provider to get assessed. Uh, Different blood tests that can be done to see if there's anything affecting the thyroid, if you're deficient in any nutrients, if you are at risk for cardiovascular disease, et cetera, to determine if there are other causes of low energy. Now you're a naturopathic doctor. Just before we let you go, let people know what exactly that is and, and how common uh, practice like yours is becoming. Um, I think more people are looking for an adjunctive approach, you know, working with their medical doctors and also seeking the advice from a naturopathic doctor to get, um, you know, some goals and treatments with respect to nutrition and supplements and other modalities that we have to offer and really trying to find a well-rounded approach to health and wellness. Well, her name is Dr. Stephanie Rubino. She is going to be at the Kubota Center tonight, 1055 Wilkes Avenue with Vita Health Fresh Market from 7 to 9 p.m. for a free event. It's called Why Am I So Tired? Fatigue and Other Current Trends in Women's Health. Now, there is limited seating for this free event. You can reserve your seat at naturalfactors.com slash tired. There is a free gift for the first 200 guests. So it's a free event and you get a gift. Hmm. Doors open at 6.30 for this great event. Stephanie, what a pleasure to meet you. Thanks for stopping by. We appreciate it. Okay, and enjoy the weather, I guess, when you get back to Toronto. (laughs) If you want to share some of that nice autumn, send it our way. Please. I'll try. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG. That's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.